Hey, welcome to the Ocean Church Podcast. Thank you so much for listening today. We hope it encourages you and reminds you that God is working in your life. Enjoy the message. Amen. Somebody praise God. Some good words. So out in the lobby, there is a group's tent with a group catalog. If you're online, we have online groups, Spanish groups. Gloria a Dios. That's all I got. Um, But it is. Next week, I'm going to preach about how God speaks to us through the family of believers. And we see this. This is, we're not, we're not a church that has groups. We're a groups church. And it, it invites you and I into a depth of relationship that God intended us to live. Not at surface level, but at a, at a depth where the Lord heals us and, and draws us to Him. Amen? Amen. Would you stand with me? We're going to read our keynote verse as we continue that series, He Still Speaks. We're going to talk today about the Holy Spirit and the voice of the Holy Spirit. And um, it's good. I got all my preaching mistakes out in the first two services, so y'all came to the right one. John chapter 10 has been our keynote verse. Jesus says this. These are the promises of Jesus. My sheep hear my voice. What a great promise. Not my sheep get cleaned up and walk with me for 10 years. Then they hear my voice. He said, my sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me. I give them eternal life and they will never perish. No one will snatch them out of my hand. Exodus 33 verse 11 says this, So the Lord spoke to Moses face to face as a man speaks to his friend. Let's pray. Holy Spirit, draw us to you. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. We got to do quick prayers. We got a lot to get to today. Uh, I I don't know what your your experience with the Holy Spirit is. you know, the enemy has worked for a long, tr- a long time to exclude him from the place that, that he is to have in our life. The enemy has tried to give him a reputation that he's the weird part of God, that, that he, is the, the, he can be the forgotten part of God. And, and today I want to establish forever in our hearts that the Holy Spirit is as much God as God the Father is, as much God as God the Son, as Jesus is. The Holy Spirit is our friend, and He has been sent, given by God, to walk with us every day of our lives. We're going to grow in how we know His voice today. A.W. Tozer wrote that when the average Christian thinks about the Holy Spirit, he is likely to imagine a nebulous substance like a wisp of invisible smoke, which is said to be present in churches and to hover over good people when they die. A recent survey showed that for those identifying as born-again believers, 62% of that number contended that the Holy Spirit is not a real living being, but is merely a symbol of God's power, presence, or purity. And I want us to walk through Scripture. We're going to spend our our time today in heavy Scripture. We're going to read large amounts of Scripture because I want this forever settled 
in our heart that the Holy Spirit is God, and I want us to grow in how we recognize His voice. Amen? Amen. Genesis chapter 1, verse 26, God says, let us, us, plural, make man in our image. The Imago Dei is not simply the image of the Father, the image of the Son. The image of God that you have been created with is the image of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And God wants to speak to us today about the Holy Spirit. He is a person. He is a he. He is not an it. He's not a wispy smoke. He is a person. John chapter 14, John 14, 15, and 16 is Jesus begins to speak in, in the most intimate words that we have with his disciples. John records these words. And when the rejecter of Jesus as the Messiah, this is Judas, he has rejected Jesus. He has said that, that you do not fit what I think a Messiah should look like and act like. I am beginning to understand that this doesn't look like uh, the Romans being thrown out. You talk about your death being the payment for sin, and it doesn't fit what I want it to fit. Judas can't handle it. He leaves. He's working and doing his own thing. And when he leaves, we have Jesus step into this place of intimacy with his disciples. And he talks about the Holy Spirit. This is verse 16 of John 14. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate, or it's a helper, it's a Greek word, paraclete or paracletus. This is one who is called alongside to encourage, to comfort, to help, who will never leave you. Boy, that's a good promise. He is the Holy Spirit who leads into all truth. The world cannot receive him because it isn't looking for him and doesn't recognize him. But you know him because he lives with you now. He lives with you now. And listen to what Jesus says. And later will be in you. No, I will not abandon you as orphans. I will come to you. Talking about the Holy Spirit. You know, Jesus, he, he did the research for what you and I need to live in this life. God's word tells us that he was tempted. He went through everything that you and I can experience. He, he experienced it all. And so based on that research, he comes to us and he says, I know what you need. I've tested it. I know what it feels like. I know the way for you to live as God created you to live is to live in relationship with the Holy Spirit. And he tells his disciples, you've known this because it's, it's in me. He's in me. And, and, and you, you, so you know it. He's been with you. But now there's going to be a step where he goes from being with you to being in you. You know, when, when Anna and I were, were uh, early in our marriage, uh, we, didn't, we didn't have anything when we got married. We really, it, it was really sweet. Anna's family, they gave us a box spring and a mattress. Um, and I... I don't know how old those things were. <laughs> they weren't new. Let's just say that. And it was a blessing. We didn't have anything. It was like anything that's an upgrade from a futon is a blessing. Futons don't work once you get married. <laughs> and, uh, and so we had our box spring and mattress, and, and it, it, was, it was fine. It was great. We, we did not know what it was like not to have our box spring and mattress 
One time we went over to my parents' house and uh, we got there and they said, you gotta see our new mattress. We just got a new mattress. Come on, come on, Josh, come upstairs. You gotta see our new mattress. So I went upstairs, Anna was still downstairs. I went up there and dad was like, just test it, lay down on it. So I laid down on it and then it was this realization of, oh, I, I didn't know. <laughs> I, I didn't know a mattress could feel like this. Like, oh my gosh, what, what do we have? And Anna, Anna came upstairs a few minutes later and, and she started to lay down. And I said, no, 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 don't, 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 don't. I really did. I said, don't, you can't, because then you'll know. And my parents were so sweet. You know, they, they saw how we reacted. They saw me tell her not to lay down. And so they bought us a mattress for Christmas that year. Isn't that sweet? I know, I know, they're the best. Jesus is saying, look, I've done the research. And you don't have to, to live in the old way of living. I have something new for you that is a gift from the Father that is the best gift that you can receive. It is me. It is my spirit filling you, leading you, comforting you, encouraging you. And the enemy hates this gift. He, he is trying everything he can to give the Holy Spirit the reputation of being weird. To give him the reputation of if you invite the Holy Spirit into your life, you're going to get weird. Like you would leave service and go to the tambourine store and buy a tambourine and come back and run and dance with a tambourine uncontrollably. No, that's weird people. That's not the Holy Spirit. And just a reminder, leave your tambourines at home if you're like, well, I still got it. I still got that tambourine. <laughs> he, he is God. Jesus wants to invite us to know him as the gift that the Father intended. This is John chapter 16, verse 5. Jesus again continuing, but now I'm going away to the one who sent me. Not one of you is asking where I'm going. Instead, you grieve because of what I've told you. But in fact, it is best for you that I go away because if I don't, the advocate won't come. If I do go away, then I will send him to you. And when he comes, he will convict the world of its sin and of God's righteousness and of the coming judgment. The world's sin is that it refuses to believe in me. Righteousness is available because I go to the Father and you see me no more. Judgment will come because the ruler of this world has already been judged. And we have three statements here that, that if you're taking notes, I want you to underline because we're going to re revisit these three statements. These are recognizable characteristics of the voice of the Holy Spirit. He said that he will convict the world of its sin in verse 8. So he's going to convict the world of its sin. When you've been convicted of your sin and you see Jesus, then the righteousness of God that was Jesus alone as the, the pure, perfect, spotless, sinless Lamb of God, that righteousness becomes yours. And the Holy Spirit is there to convict you and convince you that no matter what your mind says, no matter what the enemy says, he says, no, no, I've declared you righteous. 
he's going to convict you of your righteousness, of God's righteousness, and then this last part, and of the coming judgment. Now, we read that, and we can go to a negative place, and we're like, oh, judgment. But then Jesus said, this judgment I'm talking about is the judgment for the, the, the former ruler of this world, the former one that held you in bondage. But now that you have received the salvation through the blood of Jesus, now that you've been declared righteous, that judgment is no longer over you. So judgment is not bad news. The coming judgment is not bad news. It is a, the, the, the stated truth that the sin that once held you now holds you no longer. It has been judged by the blood of Jesus forever settled. Verse 12 says, there's so much more I want to tell you, but you can't bear it now. When the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on his own, but will tell you what he has heard. He will tell you about the future. That's awesome. He will bring me glory by telling you whatever he receives from me. He will bring me glory by telling you whatever he receives from me. All that belongs to the Father is mine. This is why I said the Spirit uh, will tell you whatever he receives from me. Jesus talking about the Holy Spirit. Now, now these, three, these three characteristics of the Holy Spirit's voice, conviction of sin, Conviction of, of the righteousness of God and the statement that the ruler of this world has been judged. We see these things, and, and the Lord's given me three ways that, that, that I want us to, to record this, to, to remember this in recognizing the voice of the Holy Spirit. So the, vo the voice of the Holy Spirit, it speaks with these three messages. Number one, it speaks with the message of salvation. It meets us in the middle of our sin. You know, the book of John, 1 John tells us that before we were sinners, Christ died for us. That before we knew what it was to love God, he first loved us. That while we were dead in trespasses, dead in sin, Christ loved us. This is the, the moment of salvation. When you don't know what you don't know, you don't know. How many of you remember when you didn't know what you now know. Me too. I, I confused myself a little bit there. You know, I don't get mad when I'm around sinners and they sin. You know what sinners do? They sin. They do it well. They do not know. And yet God has purposed that his Holy Spirit would meet every heart with this awakening of our need of a Savior. We, there is a moment or moments in our lives that, that the Holy Spirit speaks to us. He is the voice of salvation. I was five years old when, when the Holy Spirit was speaking to me and, and I, I was listening and I was hearing what it was to be a believer and the Holy Spirit was speaking to me. And, and, and I don't remember a lot, but I have memories of, of hearing the truth of the gospel and, and going, heaven, hell. This seems like an easy choice. And, and, and I say it like that because many of us have experiences of, of that being our moment of salvation is the reality of heaven, the reality of hell, and that's what we know in that moment. 
I did not have full understanding or a growing understanding of what it was to walk with Jesus. And in that moment, my heart responded to the voice of the Holy Spirit. And I said, Jesus, I ask you to save me. And you know what happened? The hand of God went over, the hand, over my life, and I have been held in his hand ever since. And it's so vital that we understand that salvation is not through our works. Your works do not strengthen the grip of God over your life. And if we do not get this fundamentally, then we will live in a way that our salvation is conditional based on the activity and the works of our lives. So if I've had a bad week, man, I better get to church because I got to get saved again. Because if I don't, if I don't, I could walk out and I could be in a car accident. And if I die, I, I don't know where I would go. No, God did not invite you into relationship with him for you to live in an anxious, insecure place. And there's no life of God in it. There's no freedom from sin in it. What are we doing? We are trying to focus on the wrong thing. The focus is not the sin of our lives. The focus is the grace of our God. When you're focused on the grace of God and how he holds you, then you understand the depth of his love and it grows in you and the Holy Spirit speaks to you. This is necessary. So it's the voice of salvation. He is the voice of salvation. John 16, verse 8, Jesus said, And when he comes, he will convict the world of its sin. 1 Corinthians 12, 3 says, So I want you to know that no one speaking by the Spirit of God will curse Jesus, and no one can say that Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. That light reaches into our heart and we, we see it and we know it. I don't know much, but Jesus, I know you are Lord. And I receive you as such. Now, now here's what happens so many times when we get this confused. Because e each of these, these things that we're talking about, it is a work and a moment or moments of the Spirit of God. They're not man's moments. And what happens, because the next thing that we see uh, of the voice of the Holy Spirit, the first is salvation, the, sex, the, the second is surrender. So we have salvation, then we have surrender. And that's, that's exemplified in water baptism. Water baptism is the, the, the step of our outward body showing what has happened in our hearts. Jesus, not only are you my Savior, but you are my Lord. My life is now surrendered to you. I didn't understand that at five years old. What it meant and what it looked like to surrender to Jesus at five years old was, I don't want to go to hell, and I like what I hear about Jesus, and my heart feels good. And so tell me more. But what we do in church, we, we, we try to take all of these moments, the three places we're talking about, salvation, surrender, sanctification. And we try to take all of these moments and condense them down into one moment and hold this expectation over each, other, uh, each other's lives, this place of comparison with each other. Uh, we, go, we go, oh, you got saved. Well, why are you still watching that? 
Oh, you went to that movie? I thought you got saved. Oh, we got real quiet. <laughs> we, we try to condense it into one moment when these are a, a, a work of the Spirit of God. Not a demand from the legalism of man. This is a work of the Spirit of God. It is the Spirit of God that reminds us and tells us you're righteous. You're a son. When I was 25, I, 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 I couldn't have contextualized it this way. I couldn't have said and articulated it this way. All I knew is that, that I was in a pattern of me trying to lead my life. My salvation was secure. I was not unsaved. I had found myself in, in a bunch of, of self-destructive patterns that were the result of me trying to lead. And at 25 years of age, on staff at a church, I recognized my heart is not surrendered to the good shepherd. And, and, and I'm not doing this anymore. And I wrestled with it and I said, Lord, I don't care what people think. I don't care if this was supposed to happen when I wasn't, uh, you know, if it was supposed to happen before I was on staff at a church. All I know is that I'm ready right now. I see you and I understand what it is to have you as Lord. Now, listen, that doesn't inval in, in, invalidate my baptism when I was five years of age. You can refer to it as a baptism of remembrance. All I knew is at 25, there was a place of surrender that I had never known before. There was a place of obedience. And it's, it's nice when all these things happen. You know, we read in the book of Acts, Acts chapter 2, Peter preaches, and, and 3,000 are saved and water baptized in the same day. And Peter says, this is what you do, and you're going to receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. It's amazing. It's nice. It's beautiful when it, when it happens. But listen, we serve a God who is outside of time. And he doesn't look at this and say, if it, all happen, if it doesn't all happen at once, then it's not real. This is a work of his spirit. So at 25 years of age, I surrendered to the Lord. And I want you to know that in the waters of baptism, the bondage that held my life in the self-destructive patterns that had accumulated from me trying to lead the way, they died in that water. They didn't follow me out of that water. And there was a fresh place of walking into the promises of God that was there in a relationship with the Holy Spirit. He is the voice of salvation. He is the voice of surrender. Now, I want, I want to show you this in the Old Testament, and our time's running out, so I'm going to go as quick as I can, but, but I want you to see this because we, we can get confused, and, and I want to do the best that I can to, to bring clarity to the, the baptism that, that we experience in water, which is available. If you're not water baptized, we will be so happy and rejoice with you to water baptize you today. We got the tank. It's there right outside those doors. We're going to pray with you, and we're going to rejoice as you pass, and, and there's an, an outward show of what's happened in your heart. There's nothing like it. But, but sometimes we can confuse what it is to be water baptized with what it is to be filled with the Spirit of God, baptized in the Holy Spirit. 
And I, and I want to show it to you in the Old Testament first, and, and, and then I'll show it to you in the New Testament. So Exodus chapter 12, Exodus chapter 13, we find the salvation of God's people. Passover, death coming to every home. And the only home that the, the death passes over and has no voice in are the homes that have sacrificed a spotless lamb. It's It's amazing. Isn't it amazing to think about that, 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 that we see this in the Old Testament, and then when John sees Jesus, what does he say? Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. The Lamb of God. And so God's people, God told them, sacrifice a spotless lamb. Put the blood on the doorpost. And when death comes to that home, it will pass over that home because of the blood of a spotless lamb. It, it is the salvation of your and my hearts, our souls being saved by the applied blood of Jesus. Jesus, I believe in you as the son of God who died for my sins. We see it, Passover, that salvation. And then we see God lead his people and he leads them out of Egypt, but Egypt isn't done with them. Egypt follows them. And so God's leading them, and they go out in the wilderness. And so this is your homework, Exodus 12, and just keep going. <laughs> Say, when do I stop? You don't. You just, just keep going. <laughs> so <laughs> Exodus 12, 13, God leads his people out in, into the wilderness. And then he does something amazing. He actually brings and allows the slave masters and the ones that held them in bondage to come a little closer. And he leads them to the waters of baptism in the Red Sea. And, and it says, it, there's this amazing moment where Moses tells the people, he says, hey, stand still. I know the Egyptians are there. Their army's there. The chariots are there. It looks bad, but stand still. God's going to rescue you. And you know what God said? He said, this ain't a movie. You got to do something. He, he told Moses, he said, why are you talking to me? Tell the people to get going. And what it was, it was a step into the waters of baptism. And when the people began to step to the Red Sea, the Red Sea parts. The waters part, and we have this Old Testament understanding and picture of what happens when we go through the waters of baptism. And God's people, they pass through these waters. And then you know what tries to happen? The Egyptians try to follow them. And it is this baptism out of bondage. The word of God tells us that as the Egyptians followed them with the chariots and the horses, that they got to a certain place and God's people were on the other side. And then the waters came back. And before those that carried bondage and held God's people in slavery could follow, they were killed. They died in the waters of baptism. This passing through the water. This place of surrender doesn't make sense. God, I, I, why, why do I do it? Is it really, is it going to be a powerful moment? Is something going to be different in my life? And God says, would you trust me in the waters of baptism? Jesus walked through this place of surrender. 
Matthew chapter 3, verse 13. Then Jesus went from Galilee to the Jordan River to be baptized by John. But John tried to talk him out of it. I'm the one that needs to be baptized by you, he said. So why are you coming to me? Jesus said, listen to this surrender. It should be done, for we must carry out all God requires. So John agreed to baptize him. After his baptism, as Jesus came out of the water, the heavens were open and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove. Here we have Father, Son, Holy Spirit together. And a voice from heaven said, this is my dearly loved Son who brings me great joy. Do you know what happens in the waters of baptism? The spirit of adoption fills our hearts. In the, in the waters of baptism, we know ourselves as a child of God because not only can the, the bondage of our, our, our enemy not stay through the waters of baptism, but the works of our lives can't stay through the waters of baptism. Everything that we would say, God, I'm going to bring this to you so you can receive me. Like I gave to like 50 nonprofits this year so I can be your child and we can do great stuff together. And he says, that's not going to pass through the water. You're going to know yourself as a child of God with nothing to bring. Simply as a child of God. God didn't say, Jesus, after you've completed 30 miracles, then you can be baptized and I'll call you my beloved son. Before he did a thing, before one miracle before one disciple, he called him, he, Jesus followed through the waters of baptism, and God the Father stood up and said with the Holy Spirit, this is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. If we do not get this, sanctification will be a beating for you. As the Holy Spirit begins to, to try to talk to us and bring us to a place of growth, you cannot have growth without surrender to Jesus leading the way. So God, God leads his people this way. And then you know what? Even though their enemies were defeated, there was still some thinking that had to get out. And so it took 40 years in the wilderness for, for the thinking of slavery to, to leave the minds of God's people. For them to treat themselves to think like a child of God. It took some time. But when it was time for, the, for them to, to go into the promised land, when God said, finally, I'm seeing some people that are treating themselves like a child of God. They're not living like orphans. They're not living trying to, to grab everything they can and prove themselves in every place of life. They're ready to depend on me for everything. He said, now I'm going to release you into what I have for you. And you know what he did? He brought them back to water. He brought them back to the Jordan River. See, a lot of us, we know about the Red Sea, and we've heard about the Red Sea. God split the Red Sea. But you know he did it again at the Jordan River? The same place that Jesus was baptized and the Holy Spirit descends on him. The same river. God brought his people to that river. And you know what he did? He split it again. See, there is a baptism that ends the bondage of our former life. And then there is a baptism that releases us into the promises of God for our future. And that is the baptism, the infilling of the Holy Spirit. So John chapter 20, is, it's interesting. We find John chapter 20. 
Jesus, he's with his disciples. He's risen from the dead. He's with his disciples. And, and, and he says these words to him. He, sa he says these words. He breathes on them. It says he breathes on them and he says, receive the Holy Spirit. Now, if Jesus, we would look at that and go, all right, case closed. What else do you need? Jesus breathing on his disciples and saying, receive the Holy Spirit. And what is happening there, it is the revelation of them seeing Jesus as the Savior of all mankind. That this is the resurrected Lord who has conquered death, hell, and the grave standing before them. And in that place, the Holy Spirit takes residence in our hearts. He's there, but you know what? He's a gentleman. He's not a dominator. He's not trying to dominate your life. This requires your step of yielding to him. When I was 15, I used to listen to this rap group called SFC. I loved SFC. And they had this line that, that, that when I, it said, when I first got saved, the Holy Ghost took residence, but it was up to me to make him president. I love that line. It stayed with me. Even though 15 was only like five or six years ago, I don't know, something. But, but this is Jesus telling his disciples, the Holy Spirit is now resident with you. He's with you. He's in you. Salvation through the blood of Jesus, the Holy Spirit takes residence within us. But why would he tell those same disciples that he's breathed on and he said, receive the Holy Spirit? Why would he tell them to wait in Jerusalem until you are filled with the promise of the Father? We would look at that and say, well, they got all they need. No, Jesus is saying, you have the Holy Spirit as residence. I, I, I want you to know him as the one that leads you and guides you into all truth. The power of God. Salvation, surrender, sanctification. Sanctification is that place that our character, the output of our life is in a place of movement looking more and more like Jesus. And can, can you see, though, can you see how, how we get it twisted in churches? We, we, we want to put it all into one moment. And legalism an orphan spirit will, will rise up and try to say, why, why are you still living that way? I thought you got saved. Or even our own hearts, we look around and we're like, oh man, I, I wish I looked like him. He serves God so good. I mean, I saw his Instagram account and he has like Hillsong songs playing behind his pictures. And oh my gosh. Oh. I just got Cypress Hill playing behind my pictures. Some of you, I, some of you don't even know who Cypress Hill is. <laughs> Aging myself. This is that place, that, that voice of legalism that tries to take the moments in the voice of the Holy Spirit and condense it all into one moment. You can't do it. This is a work of the Spirit of God. We recognize His voice by knowing it's His voice that calls us in salvation. 
It's his voice that deals with our hearts and invites us to a place of not living, running things, but in surrender to him. The waters of baptism. And then it's his voice that calls us and says, I I have a different kind of output that I have for your life. Would you let me grow this in you? Galatians chapter 5, I'm going to end with this. So I say, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. Then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. The sinful nature wants to do evil, which is just the opposite of what the Spirit wants. And the Spirit gives us desires of the opposite of what the sinful nature desires. These two forces are constantly fighting each other, so you are not free to carry out your good intentions. But when you are directed by the Spirit, you are not under obligation to the law of Moses. You don't live by comparison. You don't live by like an orphan. You live as a son. You live as a daughter. And then Paul starts listing some really ugly stuff. Look, there, there's a lot of ugly stuff there. Ooh, sexual immorality. Yep, know that. Uh, impurity. Yep, definitely. Lustful pleasures. Yeah, I got getting all of us here. Idolatry, sorcery, hostility, quarreling, jealousy. He's coming after every single one of us. Now, here's the crazy thing. He's coming after every single one of us post-salvation. I mean, can we, can we be honest? And then he continues with this great encouragement, anger, selfish ambition, dissension, division, envy, drunkenness, wild parties, ooh, other sins like these. And then he, he, he gets real heavy with the encouragement. Uh, let me tell you, as I have before, that anyone living that sort of life will not inherit the kingdom of God. Ooh. But listen to this. Do not receive condemnation. The voice of the Spirit says this, I'm not done with you. I'm producing this in you. The Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. There's no law against these things. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have nailed the passions and desires of their sinful nature to His cross and crucified them there. Since we are living by the Spirit, let us follow the Spirit's leading in every part of our lives. I want you to bow your heads this morning. In worship, the Holy Spirit spoke to me, and He just told me to say these words. This is the only service that He's done this, but this is His message to you. You may be online, you may be in this room, but His word to you is, Do not quit. I know the Lord is coming to you. He is speaking to you today. And he's saying, I see you, I know it all, and I'm not discouraged. And I'm not okay with you being discouraged. Your mind may be filled with mistakes and failures, with comparison with other people that you think I'm supposed to look like that as a believer and the Holy Spirit wants you to know you are in my hand. You are in the hand of God. He is not loosening his grip and he's not done with you. Do not quit. Do not quit.
The promise of Jesus is that the gift of the Holy Spirit is the gift of someone who will never quit you. He wants to encourage you today. He is the voice of encouragement. He is the voice of help, of comfort. And He's a gentleman that is waiting for you and I to yield to His voice. Right where you're at, every head batter, every eye closed, would you just put your, your hands in front of you, just in a posture of receiving? And if you're not there and, and, and you're like, I, I don't know about any of this, you're fine. You're not going to bother me. But, it, but if you want to be filled with the Holy Spirit, you want the Holy Spirit to fill your life in a fresh way, then put your hands in front of you. And I want you just to pray with me. Holy Spirit, I need you. I can't do this on my own. You've called me as your child, not a slave, not an orphan. You've adopted me into your family. I'm not going to treat myself like I'm not in this family. Holy Spirit, fill my life afresh and anew in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, thanks again for listening. If you'd like more information or if you'd like to connect with us, visit OceanChurch.com. We love you and hope you join us soon online or at one of our campuses located in Southwest Florida.